0: Welcome to Claim the Stage, a podcast for women who want to discover, awaken, and create their voice through the art of public speaking. I'm your host, Angela Lucier, award-winning professional speaker, author, and CEO and founder of The Speaker Sisterhood. Welcome to episode 117, How to Turn Your Speaking Topic into a Scalable Business with Jill Salzman. Okay, Jill is my spirit animal, my soulmate, my long-lost sister. I'm not really sure how else to describe her. I think you're getting the point. <laughs> but Jill and I have very similar entrepreneurial paths and that we've done a lot of different things before discovering how to build a scalable business through licensing. And we're both speakers and we've done TEDx Talks and we're authors and we're podcast hosts. And she lives in Chicago and I live in Massachusetts, but I'm pretty sure we have the same mom. We just need to do the genealogy. So I'm excited to have her on the show today and tell you more about how I've built Speaker Sisterhood from an idea and from my own experience as a speaker to building something useful and valuable for other women who want to be speakers and build their speaking skills. And Jill shares how she stumbled upon her idea for her network of clubs called the Founding Moms. It's funny, I actually spoke at a Founding Moms group in Boston about a year and a half ago, and I had done a bunch of research on the organization. I thought this is such a cool idea and just never was able to connect with Jill. And now we've... Finally found each other and we are united and we are excited to share today's episode with you all about how to take that thing you talk about today on stage or in your blog or on social media and turn it into a big business that's bigger than you. This episode is sponsored by Told Video, original, thoughtful storytelling for your brand. Here to help you with your next step in marketing a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world and get it told. If you contact Rebecca, the producer and owner of Told through June 1st, you can receive a pack of four 15-second social media videos along with your full video. Reach out for a free phone consultation and quote and to find out more at toldvideo.com. All right, let me tell you a little bit about Jill before we jump into the interview. Jill Salzman is currently growing her third entrepreneurial venture, The Founding Moms, where she helps mom entrepreneurs build better businesses. She's a graduate of Brown University and law school. She started a music management firm and then launched and sold a baby jewelry company before creating her current venture. She's the author of the best business book in the world and the bestseller, Found It, a field guide for mom entrepreneurs. Jill is a co-host of Inc. Magazine's top-rated entertaining business podcast, Breaking Down Your Business. She gave her own TED Talk on 11-11-11 and was dubbed a mommy mogul by CNN Money. She's also called A Cool Mom Entrepreneur We Love by MSN Live, and she was recently named one of the top 50 women to watch in tech, as well as a top 100 champion small business influencer after Forbes named the Founding Moms one of the top 10 websites for entrepreneurs. She shared the speaker stage with Richard Branson, Sheryl Sandberg, Damon John, Mary Lou Henner, and Desmond Tutu, and she regularly appears on ABC7's Windy City Live TV show. In her spare time, Jill enjoys kloofing, which we talk about because I had no idea what that was, baking, and erasing her daughter's crayon artwork from the kitchen walls. Without further ado, my interview with Jill Salzman. All right, Jill Salzman, welcome to Claim the Stage. Thank you. I'm so excited to be talking with you for... number of reasons and one of them is because we have very similar businesses and I've been thinking about doing a solo episode lately about how to build a scalable business through licensing and when you and I talked a couple weeks ago I was like oh no Jill and I have to do this episode together.
1: (laughs) It's a little bit scary because I rarely meet somebody who has such a like mind.
0: (laughs) Me too.
1: But it's fantastic
0: I know so we may end up saying all the same sentences at the same time but that will be okay
1: <laughs> well that'd be really fun for the listeners
0: so good time everybody I know. maybe we could do like acapella though it'll it'll somehow <laughs> harmonize <Yeah.
1: laughs>
0: so I, before we jump into that though I want to talk a little bit about your background because you went from law school to starting a music management firm to launching a baby jewelry company to then starting founding moms. So can you take us through in a couple of minutes how all of those things happen and then we could talk about them a little bit more in depth because I know the entrepreneurial journey is never just you know a straight line. So I'm really interested in how all that happened.
1: Well when you put it all that way, it does sound like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean the the short of it is that I I am really a music business gal and was in it for a very long time. So even though I went to college and got a biology degree, that was just college, you know? And then I followed a boyfriend to law school. So that was, you know, not in the plans. And I went back to doing what I had done right after college, which was working in the music business. But I started my my own being a music management company, thinking I know everything about the music business, it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. It wasn't. I had to figure out an awful lot on the fly. And those poor first client, I still feel bad for them. So it was all happenstance. I think that's for any entrepreneur's journey. You know, we like to pretend that we knew exactly what we were doing. Nope. So I was running a music management company. And when my first kiddo popped out, because everyone loved the anklet that she was wearing, that she got as a gift from some family of mine in Thailand... I thought, well, why don't I sell these on the side? That was supposed to just be a hobby business. Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) Then it, because I had learned so much about marketing from my first biz, I applied it to the second one. Things were going really well. So I'm running two full-fledged businesses and pregnant with baby number two. So that's sort of where the freak out happened. And we can call it a light bulb moment, but it's really the freak out moment where I thought, well, how am I going to do this? Two businesses, two babies, that's crazy. I don't know anyone else who's doing that. Let me ask some strangers to come and meet with me for coffee so that you can help me understand that I'm not the only crazy person. So I did. and That was nine years ago, and that was at a meetup in Oak Park, Illinois. And because 15 women showed up and there weren't just two other people, we all kind of went, oh, my God, you too? So... I just, that's, that was it. I met up with them. We decided to do it once a month. Six months in, a woman said, Could you open up a chapter nearby? I don't want to come all the way to Oak Park. So we opened one in Chicago proper. And then I thought, Wait a second. I'm from New York. I want to open one up there. Wait a second. I went to grad school in LA. I want to open one up there. And ever since then, I've been opening up founding exchanges all over the place. And a couple years ago, we launched a, complimentary online platform and now we are sort of like a a hub for mom entrepreneurs who all don't have to feel so crazy.
0: Yeah, no, that's huge. How did you know that this was an important idea when you stumbled upon it?
1: I don't have a scientific answer, but I know for sure it was in my gut and I just knew this feels bigger than anything I've ever done before. Like I can't I don't know. I don't know. I just knew. Yeah. It felt right. I kept following what members were requesting and they kept going, yeah, this feels good. And it kept growing and people kept showing up. And once that starts happening, it's a lovely, not a Ferris wheel or a guinea pig wheel. What's the expression? It's a really lovely, you know, constant reinforcement that what I'm doing is a good thing.
0: Yeah. Um, what were you doing at those meetings? Yeah. And I'm sure the same thing has happened for you. Yeah, when people ask me how did you, how did speaker sisterhood start, I say, well, the first meeting I had chills for two hours, so that was the first indication that what we were doing was important.
1: Yes, right. <laughs> That's the gut thing I'm talking about. Yeah, sense, and you can't explain why that this is a good thing and it could lead to good other things.
0: Exactly. Like it just, it felt good. Everyone was responding in a really positive way. The message was spreading really quickly without me doing anything. And I thought this feels very different than anything I've done before. I should follow this.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: Okay. What were you doing at the meetings that was creating this excitement and this, this gut feeling that you should keep doing it?
1: The I think that, you know, looking back now, knowing what I know, I think the meetings were pretty straightforward typical and boring <laughs> and <laughs> I remember for several weeks women who had heard about it would show up and sit there and I'd sit at the table and sort of I mean I'm being a little bit facetious but I would look at them all and I would just go okay what do you want to talk about you know I had no plan I had no the day that I showed up I don't know what sparked it but I printed out a little agenda And I remember showing up and handing out a piece of paper and everybody's shoulders went down and they all sort of relaxed and went, Oh, she knows what she's doing. And I thought, Oh, they need leadership. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not even, I'm, I'm partly kidding. Partly not. There's a lot that you kind of think like, "Uh, I'll figure it out. And then by watching people's reactions, you go, Oh, that's what they need. Uh So we morphed and we went from paperless meetings to, Meetings with agendas to meetings with speakers to we've just recently switched it all up. We were doing monthly meetings with speakers for years. We just decided to switch to weekly masterminds.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So what does that look like?
1: That is a much smaller meeting of much more invested members who really get want to get into the nitty-gritty of their own businesses rather than sit there and hear from one expert about one topic. Mm-hmm. So it's just more in depth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they get that. The problems that they have that they're facing that day, they can deal with and they can ask about and get feedback right away in real time.
1: Yes. And I want to know how much it complements what you guys are doing.
0: What do look like? Yeah, we don't we don't do any kind of masterminding, but in the meetings it's all experiential. So we don't have speakers come in, we don't have teaching going on. It's all about the members getting up and giving speeches and getting feedback, yeah. and practicing both planned speeches and also impromptu speeches, and doing some improv games and getting a chance to be vulnerable in a safe space and in a in a place where they're building bonds with the other women. So that's what it's really. About about is the community and the growth.
1: Yeah, yours is more like a classroom experience with a little performance flair. I love it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, I found that that structure piece was super important because there were so many women's groups meeting on networking, and they were going to workshops and stuff, but there was no real structure to what was happening people would show up for two hours have a drink and talk to each other but I wanted my group to have a clear agenda every single time they knew exactly what to expect and that has proven to be really helpful
1: yeah I agree I agree the more structure the better which as an entrepreneur I have to point out for anybody listening who is an entrepreneur it's really easy to convince yourself since you like freedom and you like to do your own thing that everybody else likes it that's at least the mentality I had at the beginning yeah, That's, I don't want to put pressure on anybody because I like doing my own thing. And it turns out most people are not built like me. Mm-hmm. Imagine I don't know if it's the same for you, Angela, because you sound like you came into that much earlier than I did. Putting structure onto other people is not my forte.
0: I think I figured it out because I had been a member of so many different groups and I found that if I'm going to show up to something, I want there to be a plan. I don't want it to show up and then everyone goes, so what do you feel like doing? Probably because I'm an introvert and I don't really like to talk to people in a free free form kind of
1: And I am such an extrovert that if you just hand me a mic and say, Jill, you only have four hours, I will fill every second. (laughs) perhaps is why we also come at it differently.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. So when you had your first club going and you thought, okay, this is, this is cool. This is fun. This is important. I want to build another one. Did you run the other one or did you bring in someone else to run the other one?
1: Oh, I immediately brought other people. Oh, if you're talking about in Chicago, I ran the mall for a hot minute in any other city. I immediately knew to go out and find people to help me because obviously I wasn't flying in New York every month. And I did that. I just ended up going from city to city with calls out looking for someone. And so opening up 10 and then 20 of these exchanges happened really quickly, so quickly that people said, stop opening them so quickly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, what were you running into? Were there challenges or problems because they were opening so quickly? Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, I want to say to you, like, have you ever not had a problem with any?
0: No, uh, everything have been fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fine, yeah.
0: Oh, so are you? Oh, are you? I can't tell if you're being no, I'm totally kidding. Every day, there's problems.
1: Yeah, I was like, Oh my god, I found the one. (laughs) It's funny because actually, for a while, I thought they were fine, I thought they were going just fine. And I'd see new faces every month and go, Oh, I haven't seen that one person for a long time, thinking, Oh, she must just be busy. It's not us. Love the naive moments that we have. So yeah, it's, there's been a lot of problems and there are still a lot of problems every single time, every meeting, everywhere, every city.
0: Yeah, what have you learned about bringing in, what do you call them, are they leaders, are they? I
1: I like calling them hosts, some people call them leaders. They've, They've been called hosts for a very long time, we were toying with switching it over. But I have learned, number one, the thing I mentioned before, that they need structure. But number two, I have learned that the onboarding process needs to be a lot slower than I used to do. If I called you in Omaha, Nebraska, and you said, Jill, I'm interested, I would say, great, you're hired. And there would be no vetting, there'd be no interview, there'd be no checking in to see if you're nuts, even though I thought I was nuts. I definitely have realized that to me is now the most focused, concentrated place of my whole business. Mm -hmm. I love paying attention to our members, but and I do, but it's like this is even more important because they're the key link to the members.
0: Yeah, exactly. And what are some of the key things you look for when you're doing that interview? Are there specific skill sets or personality types?
1: Yes, I have learned that a woman who is very attracted to this role who does not fit, particularly for my business, is usually, she's a mom of five and she runs three businesses already and she would love to take on something else. And I have learned to say, no, you can't take this on. You're already really, really busy. And for some reason, this particular role seems to attract women who are juggling 15 things and they think they can just throw this in. Yeah, And I used to take a lot of them on. And then I realized, no, this isn't, you can't just juggle this and add this to your mix. It's pretty huge. I look for somebody who's more, I keep using the word structured in this chat, but more structured in their brain than I am. You know, I'm much more free-flowing, creative type. And I need somebody who's a little bit, very, very good at networking, but she doesn't have to be an extrovert. She's really good at organizing. And the best part about her is she's really good not so much at doling out advice but at facilitating yeah hearing the people at the meeting
0: yep yeah I find the same exact thing it's it's a combination of being okay with marketing and going out and networking and hanging flyers and telling people about the club but also when they're in the space being able to facilitate and create a safe space and build confidence in the members that she knows what she's doing and they're yeah. safe
1: time. yeah have you had an easy time finding these people
0: Yes and no. I haven't actually actively recruited anybody. All of the inquiries are inbound and they come from my speaking engagements, the podcast. They come from other club leaders, members who are excited about having their own chapter. So when, when they show up, it's, it's that interview process. It's figuring out if they're a good fit and then training them and then getting their club launched. So it hasn't really been difficult, but I haven't really actively gone out and searched for anyone either
1: right, yes, it it shouldn't be difficult, but you know it's what what you just described is what I also look for, and it's not the easiest to find at times, yeah.
0: we want to expand nationwide, and we have some clubs in San Diego and Virginia and New Hampshire and outside of where I am in Massachusetts which is great but I haven't actually said I want to build a whole big following in Chicago or Seattle or San Francisco I just haven't even gotten to that point yet so right now it's just whoever shows up and fits the qualifications that's where we're going to start a club keep it that way I love that love love so it's been very organic right how does your licensing model work if like if I wanted to start a club what would that look like
1: We are in the middle of also thinking about switching that up, but right now, and it's morphed over the years. Right now, if you are interested in a certain city, there is a very small fee that you pay pretty much for the licensing. We don't call it that, but, you know, for your ability to be able to launch a founding exchange in your city, and then you're off and running. And we, you know, that's as much in terms of monetary Funding you know exchange of funds that's pretty much the gist, and the rest of it is we offer a ton of support and we 're very in touch throughout the onboarding process pretty much throughout the lifetime of her running the experience. Mm-hmm. sure that she is really happy and has what she needs so that she can feed the members good stuff
0: and then does she collect dues from the members? No,
1: we do, so that all of that is everything comes through us, so headquarters. It's all through our website. So everybody, you know, if you join, you pay online. She gets a little bit of a cut from her, the people that she brings in. Okay. So I'm sorry, you you asked about licensing. So I'm thinking of, you know, what does she have to do when she joins us? But on top of that, we do a split with her. Okay. And we do other things. We do splits. If she brings in a sponsor, We we can go down a list of things that she has access to. She gets lots and lots of marketing stuffs from us that, you know, other folks have to pay for. It's really a major plus.
0: Mm -hmm. How many
1: exchanges do you have? We have, we have opened in over 60 cities, but because of the switch over to our weekly mastermind, it's a very slow rollout. Hmm. So yeah, you're literally, we're talking in the middle of a giant change going on with our organization. Yeah. Fun and a lot of headache.
0: (laughs) When did you start?
1: Yeah, I know. What, what year did you start this? We started the offline exchanges in 2010 and have morphed so much that I literally woke up last week thinking, oh, it's still a startup. Like I still <laughs> hey, at the beginning. And then three years ago, we launched our online community, which we call the FMC, the Founding Moms Community. And it's very interesting to me that we've attracted wildly different women to each. You know, some are offline junkies, some only like to sit online. Some do both. What
0: happens on the online space? We have
1: an entire almost separate program that we're, that's part of this big change is we're we're bringing it all together. But we release video courses every month that any member can take. We have weekly Facebook lives where we chat about a hot business topic. We have business coaching in there. We have a directory. We have a Facebook closed group. We call it our forum where all of our members are chatting all the time Oh, the list goes on. We're about to launch a book promo program for self published mom entrepreneurs. We're about to start featuring lots of mom entrepreneur podcasts. It's almost endless. It's too much. It's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> that sounds it's cool. really good. No, it's really, really great. It's just it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. As you well know. Yeah, absolutely. What and have you supplementary online portion, do you not?
0: Yeah, we have an online school called the Speaking School for Women. And in that course, I teach how to become professional speaker. So a lot of our members aren't really in the speaker sisterhood to become a professional speaker, but there's a percentage of them that are. And so we have that program available to them. But I do want to create more online programming and more courses and more skill based stuff that can help them continue growing, but haven't gotten there yet.
1: Yeah, I, I really fought it for a long time and thought, well, who, who cares about online? You know, <laughs> the place is numero uno in my book, and it still is. But I love the online community. It's constant support. It's 24-7. Everybody gets to share their gripes. They bring up stuff I would never have thought of. It's really such a community. It sounds so dorky to say it, but it really is so communal that I, I now laugh at myself and kick myself for not having started it sooner.
0: Mhm. So now that you're 9 years into this, what advice would you give to someone who's in that space of thinking, "I've got a pretty cool idea, maybe I could license it." What would you tell them?
1: I almost want to say, "Go break everything and do it wrong so you can do it right." But that's not good advice. I start out not doing legal research and not trying to figure out the perfect amount of money to license it out for i highly recommend find a number of people who might be interested in licensing your you know doing your thing and see what the interest is and talk to them deeply like not hey would you want to do this and then they say yeah and you're good to go i mean interview them talk to them what do they need what would they want what would they need to see cuz you'll start hearing from their responses what your list of to-dos are
0: Yeah. When I rolled it out, I did the first four months were totally free. Everybody could just come and check it out. The club leaders were just kind of there to volunteer and see what for three years. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, It's so important because that's the focus group, right? Like you need them there to learn from and that was so helpful to just inform what I was building and if it was working or not. And if it was something that people would actually pay for and it made all the difference.
1: Did you start out at a certain price and now you're at a different one? Did you morph or have you always been the same cost?
0: We've always been the same cost. And earlier this year, I was thinking about changing that model and then had some staffing changes and felt like before I totally blow this up in a, in a way that may or may not work, maybe I should rebuild the team. (laughs) (laughs) And then get back to that. So the model is the same. Every member joins and pays an annual program fee to Speaker Sisterhood, which covers their cost for their curriculum. And they get discounts on other programs we offer. And then they pay a monthly membership fee to their club leader. And the club leader takes 100% of that.
1: Yeah, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Yeah, yeah it works. You know what I love about what you're doing is it's so specific.
0: Yeah.
1: People to grasp, oh, this is what they do. I need it. Let's go. Yeah, mine is broader. If you're a mom entrepreneur, you belong with us, and we focus on branding, sales, and marketing. But it, you know, the nichier the better. So that's another piece of advice I'd really suggest people hold on to: is really figure out exactly what your niche is.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because there are so many general groups where it's like, yeah, just show up if you're a woman, and and yep. like what, <laughs> what is. That?
1: Yeah, you'll love everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: right. I was watching your TEDx talk earlier this morning, which I loved. And one of the things you said in there was, why, you said that moms make the best entrepreneurs. Can you explain I do. that? I uh, I still <laughs>
1: stand by everything I said. And I did that TED talk on 11, 11, 11. And I completely blacked out the whole time. So I don't remember any of it. But, <laughs> but i i really think that if you are listening and have had a baby you know that when you have a baby there's no instruction manual there's no guidance people can give you tons of advice none of it fits and then as the baby grows and at the beginning they grow the quickest they morph they change their demands are constantly shifting that's just like a small business the demands are constantly shifting there are different needs different hours of the day and night and you have to feed it with love and care, and adore it, and know that it's going to grow if you feed it well. So it's pretty much kind of almost doing the same thing. And a lot of people get offended when they hear that. Well, like, no. you can't talk about a business like a human child, you know. And it's like, yes, I can, and I have had many children at this point. To tell you that I have two human children, and I have had three business children, and the juggling act is the same. So moms who feel I like to say that because moms who feel very strong in the motherhood department and they know what they're doing and they're very intuitive about what their kids need, who at the same time feel very, very inept in the business area, I like to remind them, no, you've got this. It's the same thing. You are strong. You are able to go with the flow better than a lot of people who don't do this juggle on the daily. And they sort of wake up to, oh, that's true. (laughs) I am pretty freaking proficient at going with the flow. I can do this. And it just gives them a little more confidence to go, wait, I've already got the confidence I need. I've just been tucking it away thinking motherhood is number one and everything else takes a backseat.
0: Right. Well, as I mentioned to you, I'm pregnant with my first child right now and yeah, I'm so excited. And the question I keep asking myself is, is entrepreneurship setting me up for success to be a great mom? Because it, like you just said, a lot of the skills seem so complementary, and
1: They are. I mean, you know, the, where people really lose themselves, time management, because you are easily, particularly with your growing belly, able to talk yourself out of it. Like, I'm not going to have time. This baby's going to need me 24 seven. I'm not going to be able to pay attention to my clients or my members. There's a lot of talking yourself down about it, particularly as your belly grows bigger and bigger. I might, again, be cut from a different cloth, but I found that, you know, I spent, I thought I was going to do that three months off bit, and after two weeks I was bored senseless. (laughs) (laughs) I launched my second business after the birth of my first baby, I launched (laughs) my third business after the birth of my second baby. I mean, it just made me more and more productive, but you have to get a handle on and be, be good to yourself, be kind to yourself and just know, Hey, I'm not going to have time for everything because now there's a baby, but it doesn't mean everything else is diminished. It just means you need to get used to a new schedule. That's yeah. it. That's it. It's really, and there are a lot of women who love to talk about how hard it is. I don't, I don't understand them. Yeah. We're going to love it. And then you put your baby to work, you know, <laughs> Child labor laws.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm planning on it. I'm building a job description now, so, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. you just call them interns and then it's legal. It's fine. Okay, great.
0: It's for credits, so <laughs> <laughs> When you were building founding moms, what kinds of roles did you add to your team early on? What were the skills you were looking for in the types of jobs?
1: Oh, I wasn't. Oh, I was one of those, for sure, entrepreneurs who, I'm going to do it all myself. I did it all myself. At the very beginning, I did begin. The only thing I knew I couldn't do was design. So I hired a designer I knew, and she's still with me to this day. She's fantastic. She does my web development and design. But after launching the online platform, that's really when it was so much that I thought, I can't do this myself. And I guess I technically hadn't been doing it myself because I had hosts everywhere. But running from headquarters... I, three years ago, took on our first contractor who was really, you know, social media slash helper of all things. She's amazing. And from there, it's grown. And now I'm much more comfortable hiring virtual assistants, partnering with people if we think it's a good idea and makes a sense. Yeah. So I think I have a team now of five, a video editor, social media, design developer, and a VA or two. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait. To bring on our first employee in the coming few years.
0: That's great to hear, because you're in your ninth year and you're still working with contractors. You're still kind of figuring out what the team needs to look like, and there's no rush, right? It's like do you feel rushed. Do I feel rushed? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I just like my whole life feels rushed. Like, I'm, there's this sense <laughs> of urgency inside of me that I just can't like put aside. It's just like, when is that going to happen? And when are we going to do this? And when is it going to be tomorrow? I just can't like stop. Yeah. So I think I do feel rushed, but I think that's just part of who I am.
1: <laughs> yes. And that makes sense because you're running a business that's going and you yeah. have to keep going and it's, it feels urgent. And I've, I've done enough bad hiring to realize like, there's no rush on this. Yeah. I want good people.
0: Yeah. yeah. I like that. That's very relaxing. My shoulders went down when you when Ooh, you said really. that.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I like to say, I can't wait to hire an employee. I say that because. That means I'll be making so much money that I'm happy to dole out you know, 40, 50 thou a year to somebody. But truly, if I could just do this by contractor for the rest of my life, I would. Hmm. Yeah, I love it, I love it. It's a free relationship. Not even that I don't have to pay benefits, I'd love to pay my contractors benefits. But it's just, there's more flexibility, you know? Yeah. You're not locked in. I'm clearly an I don't like to be locked in kind of girl. Yeah, I'm getting that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if anybody's wondering out there, I was born on
0: April 10th, so I'm an Aries. We don't oh. like lockdown. Yeah, so happy early birthday! Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, <way>. thank you. <laughs> Why don't we talk about your podcast for a minute? I'm going to be on your podcast oh, in a few yeah. months, breaking down your business. And it was one of Inc. Magazine's top-rated entertaining business podcasts. Tell us what that what goes on on that podcast and where we can find it.
1: It is co-hosted by my dear friend, Brad Ferris and I. He is a small business consultant in town who's really good at all the things in business that I am not. So he's, he's a pro in hiring. He's a pro in sales, a pro in numbers, data, finances. And so we we decided to put together a podcast where we call it the Car Talk Podcast for small business. Hmm. We at each other a lot. We have guests who come on and ask us you know, we we literally will say to them, what's your problem? And then they ask us or tell us their problem and we answer it with mediocre business advice. It's a very funny, very shouty podcast. And he and I argue so much, people think we're married. Uh, (laughs) So it's, it's so much fun. And we started it thinking it would help me grow the founding moms community and it would help him grow his community. And it turns out it has done neither. And we ended up with a whole separate business to a whole separate audience than either of us ever thought existed. So it's a ton of fun. We release it every week on iTunes. We have some hilarious comments if you want to go see our reviews. And by hilarious, I mean really nasty, but so funny you have to laugh. <laughs> it's great. I love it. So it's,
0: different. it's different than this. It's a lot different than this. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited to come on. And you said, just don't, don't tell us anything. Just have a question ready. Right.
1: We really do it on the fly. And people who tell us in advance, we actually don't have them on the podcast.
0: <laughs> so the
1: problem is, but also I'm glad you're not scared because a lot of people back out because they're scared of us. So thank oh. you. No,
0: this is great. I love a challenge. Right. great. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any questions for me about this topic I, before? I have length of
1: time questions like i want to know how long you've been doing your podcast how long you've been running your sisterhood how how long have you been doing these things
0: both of them happened at the same time in the summer of 2016 oh yeah i was in a business accelerator earlier that year in the in the spring and that was what really was the launch pad for figuring out that Speaker Sisterhood was something I should start looking into because I was running one of those businesses that had me hustling every single day, all day for years. And I was, you know, in my early thirties and I thought I'm going to have to retire at 35 if I keep this up. So figuring out a better business model, learning about licensing and the business accelerator was what changed everything for me and helped me to realize, okay, I can build something bigger than me and it will be, And it's going to be a lot of work, but right now it's a lot of work and it's not sustainable and, you know, it's not going anywhere. So I started the podcast at the same time and it's just been going pretty fast ever since. You're a genius.
1: I'm also wondering, probably selfishly, and maybe this doesn't apply to other people, but you clearly were not sitting on my website when you came up with your business idea. So I'm wondering how you came up with this model Cause it's so similar to mine, but I'm thinking I've never met anybody who's come up with something so similar.
0: <laughs> it was a recommendation from someone at the accelerator program. When I said, I think I'm going to start a public speaking club for women. And she said, this one woman said, well, you can license that. And I was like, what the heck is licensing? And she's like, you know, it's like franchising. And the first thought I had was like, what do I look like? McDonald's? I'm not, I'm not going to license this thing. <laughs> I just totally dismissed it because I thought that's huge and that I just pictured like sitting at a table with like 20 lawyers for 6 months writing an agreement that was going to be 3 feet tall, you know, and just be full of all kinds of legal jargon that was over my head. And then I realized maybe it's not that hard and reached out to a local lawyer who had me come in. We sat down for 20 minutes and she's like, oh yeah, I can create an agreement for you. No problem. Like I can get it done by next Friday. It'll be like 1200 bucks. It'll be like five pages long. And I was like, wait a minute, this is the key to the future. Yeah. And then it took off from there. Kudos to you. (laughs) Thanks. But yeah, I didn't know anybody else who was doing it. And some of the people in the accelerator said, well, think about Weight Watchers or BNI. And I'm like, okay, but like I'm me. And that's Weight Watchers like that. (laughs) I couldn't see a path to it. So I was just every day thinking about how do I make this work? And you know, this is gonna be expensive and hard and include a lot of people. And what if it doesn't work and all that stuff? And I just was like, I'm gonna take one step at a time. Like Oprah says, when you don't know what to do next, just take the next step.
1: Yep. Yay. I'm so glad Oprah got a shout out on (laughs) (laughs) this. I mean, I'm sitting in Chicago, so that means a lot. Have you met her? I have not met her. I've met many people who've worked with her. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And she apparently is a dream to work for.
0: That's what I hear.
1: Yeah, she's a great woman.
0: Yeah, I'd like to meet her and just thank her for saying that cuz that one sentence has oh. been important.
1: I'm going to keep looking out for her if I if I meet her I'll let her know.
0: Yeah, please do. <laughs> Give her my number. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> one last question. In your bio, it says you enjoy kloofing, and I've never heard of that. And I thought I should ask about that.
1: Well, when I was in college, I learned that in order to build a great resume, you should always put something on your resume that no one knows what it is because that's the conversation starter. And whoever told me that, I don't remember who said it. Totally right. Every place I've ever sent my resume, And so I added it to my bio for this kind of moment. (laughs) I studied abroad in South Africa in college, and kloofing is Afrikaans for cliff jumping.
0: Oh.
1: I went cliff jumping for a day, and it it was pretty much the worst experience of my life, and I don't recommend it at all. Okay. (laughs) You climb a giant mountain, and you walk to the edge of a cliff, and if you have a guide, the guide doesn't know how shallow the water is. He jumps first, then you jump. And you hope to survive, and you do this for hours.
0: Oh my God! No, I would never. I would never yeah. do that.
1: I'm very American? I'm very outdoorsy. Love doing crazy things. This was really. This took the cake.
0: So maybe your bio should say Jill hates cloofing but enjoys baking. And <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, but I enjoy the chat. It brings me back <laughs> to all the helicopters lifting people out of the mountain. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, last totally random question that I enjoy asking some of my guests. What is your favorite word, and what does it taste like?
1: What is my favorite word? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm a word nerd. I love words. <laughs> I'm going to just randomly pull one from my head right now. Platypus. Oh. Super random, but you asked the question.
0: And what does that taste like, that word? it just tastes like peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I picture think it tasting like, like grape, like jelly, grape jelly. Some also that's, tahini, but maybe, maybe oh,
1: no. It doesn't taste like grape jelly. T- that's t- the weirdest, most random question.
0: And I need to know why you ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I had a guest on my show about a year ago, and she started talking. She was giving this amazingly descriptive kind of monologue about what it's like to put a, a speech together and. I was so just entranced by the way that she was talking about this. She's like, you let the words roll around your mouth, and then you see how they come out to the world. And when she said that, I just imagined having words in your mouth, and I was like, what would those words taste like? And then I thought, I want to know everybody's favorite word and what it tastes like. And so I asked some people. I don't ask everybody, but...
1: (laughs) No, I really appreciate it, and this is going to stick in my mind for the rest of the day, and I'm going to be tasting all the words. Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think it's a great question to ask kids too. I feel like kids would just be right on it. They wouldn't even want to know why you're asking. They're like, obviously, you know. Yep. <laughs> well, Jill, that was that was it. That was all I wanted to know.
1: <laughs> that was I have I probably have days worth of questions, but I think we can stop
0: there. Yeah, let's stop there. Maybe we'll do a part two sometime. Love that. I love it. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great chatting with you sure. and learning more about your work. And
1: thanks to everybody for listening.
0: Alright, there you have it. I hope you learned something today and got inspired and realized that we're all kind of making this up as we go. And we're all just taking it one step at a time. And we all have different ways of doing it. So if you have an idea that's bigger than what you're doing today, just take that one step tomorrow. And maybe it'll help you to learn the next thing that will get you going. Maybe it will inspire you to keep trying something. Maybe it will get you to your goals. This episode is sponsored by Told Video, original, thoughtful storytelling for your brand. Here to help you with your next step in marketing a meaningful video. Let your story out into the world and get it told. Contact Rebecca through June 1st to receive a pack of four 15-second social media videos along with your full video. Reach out for a free phone consultation and quote and to find out more at toldvideo.com. All right. This podcast has been a production of the Speaker Sisterhood and was recorded at the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Learn more at speakersisterhood.com. That does it for me this week, you guys. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and more people will be able to find the show. All right. Well, you know what I'm going to say. Stop waiting. Start creating. I'll see you next time.